dream that one day, no matter how long it may take us, as long as we have faith in our cause and uh, an unconquerable willpower, knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. This is a time of challenge to our interests and our values. And it's a time to test our wisdom and our skills. This will not be a campaign of half measures. And we will accept no outcome but victory. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. Read my lips. We will respond forcefully. Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. And we are live. We're live. It's happening. It is. Uh, did I ever tell you the my, my whole like backstory to it's happening? No. Oh, God, I'll share this with all you guys really fast, just okay. before we get into the serious subject matter. Yeah, it's going to be a serious one tonight, so let's uh, bring First of all, we are recording from the beautiful, not-so-open-air studio here in West Dundee. It's a Brian closed studio. Studio. It's, it's a closed, closed studio, studio tonight. tonight. Yep, no yeah. more little kids running around or birds chirping, because it's cold, again, because we live in the Midwest. Anyways, yeah. uh, the it's happening. I used to brew beer with my buddy Drew. Drew's Brews, I called it. Ooh. Yeah, he didn't like that. I loved it. I came up with it. That's why. <laughs> It sounds but anyways, like something you would come we up used with. To, yeah. We, yeah, we used to brew at his, his grandmother's house, and, and grandma was the fucking shit, dude. She was so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, to the point where, like, we couldn't brew fast enough because she would come down and, like, just drink our beer because we had it. Really? Draft. Yeah, we had it. Oh, draft. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. She was a wonderful woman. We used to go to do karaoke with her every Thursday night at Creekside in Algonquin. And, like, she, nice. could, she would just belt it out and pay for our drinks all night. It was great. Uh, but anyways, she used to, while we were brewing... She would sit in the other room, and she would be watching her, like, alien shows. Oh, like on the History Channel? Yeah, like, like what aliens. was it? Like, ancient Aliens and all that shit. Yeah. And we knew the show was getting serious because you would hear her in the other room, and all you would hear was, It's happening! Because <laughs> she thought the aliens were coming. Interesting. It was fucking great, so that's where that comes did you, from. Did you hear about the whole UFO thing? Tell they me. were released. No, it's, well, that's a whole yeah, different podcast. Yeah, because yeah. you know how much I love aliens. Yeah, yeah. Like and the UFO and like in the last <laughs> year. Uh, Mad Libs podcast conspiracy theory <laughs> slash aliens coming to a podcast streaming service near you soon. Yeah. Um, but we have some some serious things to attend to this evening, Brian. Well, we were going to talk the Chauvin trial. We were going to talk the Chauvin trial. The prosecution trial. has essentially rested and yeah. now it's the defense. defense is up. But we want to give some more time. We do. And not only that, a thought occurred to me today as I was um, going about my daily routine. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, there's a lot going on again with police. And I feel like it's not, yeah. it's, it's probably always going on in the background, mm -hmm. um, which got me thinking even more. And um, we have a lot of incidents happening. Um, they've probably been happening for a long time, but... Obviously, things are more apparent now in a digital age where everything is reported on instantly. Mm -hmm. And what I was thinking was, we had so obviously uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, mm -hmm. we had the George Floyd incident. Yeah. Very tragic, very sad. Obviously, we were going to talk about that probably on the next podcast. Yeah. I, I imagine the defense will probably rest and it'll go to the jury. I would imagine maybe even by this weekend. Yeah, I don't think the defense has a much larger case, or as large of a case as the prosecution did. Yeah. Um, so George Floyd happened. We had a lot of protests. We had some rioting. We also had Breonna Taylor, and we had Breonna summer. Taylor. Absolutely, I'm not trying to play anybody down. Kenosha. Yeah, there but was yeah, Kenosha. There was just absolutely. a lot, all a whole lot once. that happened at mm -hmm. once. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to lean, leave anyone yeah, out. No, absolutely. Uh, so don't come at me in the comment section, please. Um, at and, this point, and, I'll take the comments. Yeah, please. Yeah, comments, actually, come, emails. Come at us. Please, please come at me, and I will be <laughs> glad to explain myself um, or explain further. Yeah. Um, and so we have all these things happening. We yeah. have these movements. We have BLM coming out mm -hmm. um, and, and taking to the streets and practicing mm -hmm. that First Amendment right and trying to get some sort of change. Um, you know, obviously, we had some really good examples of that, some really bad examples of that. Correct. That's Agreed. neither here nor there right now. Because mm -hmm. what I'm going to say is this. 
you have all of this happening and you have the people going to the streets. What has come of it? Has there been any major reform? And the reason I say that is because it's so easy to flip that switch when the next big story is coming out on the internet, when the next big story is coming out on whether you're a Fox or an ABC or an NBC, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? CNN. Um, we immediately, you know, George Floyd happened, the protests happened, the riots happened, and then we were just on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And obviously we had a lot of Trump stuff going on in between, which obviously can take the news cycle very rapidly. Um and then it's almost it's almost forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes on the back burner where it's like, you know what I mean? If it gets brought up in conversation, people mm-hmm. speak about it very passionately. Um, people want to be argumentative. People want to be uh, constructive. Mm-hmm. But what have we done since George Floyd happened last year, since Breonna Taylor, since all these things? Has there been, you know, a, a, a reallocating of funds? Has there been more training as far as de-escalation tactics? Uh, in police departments, especially ones that are in metropolitan areas with larger minority uh, populations. Mm-hmm. What have we been doing? And why do we forget about it so easily until the next one comes up? Because obviously we're going to get to this later in the hour here, but there's been some more yeah. occurrences. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think you brought up a really good point. And I'm going to go back even further. Um, if we look back to you know, the time period of uh, Colin Kaepernick, when he first started kneeling, mm. and it became this whole thing. He was kneeling uh, during the pl- uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, during the national anthem, you know, to start the NFL games. You weren't far off. Yeah, he was taking a knee, and it blew up. First off, it was he was sitting down, and then mm. people were really offended. And then he talked with a, a soldier because people are like, "You're disgracing, you know, our armed forces who are fighting wars, you know, like they have the last decade." Uh, which Biden did say today, I think, uh, by September 11th this year, um, they're going to be pulling troops out of Afghanistan. Mm. So it'll That's it'll good. have been 20 years that they we've been fighting those That's wars. That's fucking crazy. But uh, people argued against Kaepernick kneeling and saying it was disgraceful to the soldiers, which I'll come back to. Um, and he then, you know, or he consulted with the soldiers, started kneeling because that was more proper. It both honored soldiers and uh, really brought attention to the idea of police reform. Mm. Um, agree or disagree with his, you know, f- approach, whatever. Uh, the idea was to bring a a sense of reality to the rest of the world, not just the the community suffering. You know, right. these issues, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the black community. And you know, we had a, a couple of other instances, like um, Eric Garner in mm-hmm. New York, who yeah. got choked to death. Uh, you had Michael Brown and Ferguson. You had mm-hmm. the protests and stuff like that. And, you know, then the NBA players started getting, I remember they wore the can't breathe shirts. Uh, at the time, LeBron James was in Miami. I know Derek Rose was in Chicago and they were all wearing those can't, I can't breathe shirts because those were Eric Garner's last words. Mm-hmm. So there was that movement and there wasn't a lot of rioting or protests or anything like that. And basically nothing came of it. Right. It was really hot for for a couple of months and then it just faded away. And, you know, fast forward to uh, essentially last summer where we had George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. You had the Kenosha, uh, J- uh, James Blake, I believe, mm-hmm. yep. um, <clears throat> who all passed away. And then, you know, th- that uh officer literally today was reinstated the one that shot james blake and now i'm not going to go too far into that right or wrong it's just coincidental he gets you know reinstated fully today with no disciplinary action um and we we're seeing another you know hot moment with well, the I, can i and can, and yeah, can i touch ahead. on that yeah really fast i don't yeah. mean i know no, you're no, in no, no. and i don't mean to no. um and I, I, I think I, uh, I speak for both of us when i say this obviously that police officer in kenosha he had a trial. Well, he didn't have a trial. They, or, they investigation. Sorry, investigation. Yeah. sorry, there was an investigation, not a trial. Yeah. Um, totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant that seriously. That's not yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. fun. Um, I'm hyper alert today. I just down 300 milligrams of, or milligrams of caffeine with Brian before the podcast. <laughs> um, but obviously they found that there wasn't enough evidence to say that he had, there was any wrongdoing. Right. Um, so Brian, I don't think was saying that, you know, they, they got it wrong necessarily. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, yeah I mean, there it, was, and I, and, I, and I only say that because you brought up disciplinary action. What I would have really liked to see it as is is like a you know a very retraining or something. Yeah, an unfortunate need for um, some sort of like additional training or yeah. continuing education. So we Sorry. had no, we had those in in the summer, and we had this bubbling up again of the movements themselves of Black Lives Matter and. You know, a lot of peaceful protesting. There was a lot of rioting. And, you know, I think in each instance when, you know, something happens, what is the first thing that usually comes out is like, oh, this guy had a criminal record or, oh, they're trying to diminish the victim. Happens all so, the time. Yeah. So there's this polarizing sometimes, effect. And, and sometimes it's good to, to have that, that point of view of what, you know, the backstory. Well, let's have but the whole picture. I get exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my only thing. I like seeing the whole picture because mm-hmm. then you can make an even more informed decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or an informed, um, make a more informed opinion, I suppose. Yeah. So what we see is this diminishing um, aspect to the story itself mm. by you know one side or the other, yeah. And I think that plays a large role in how the movement proceeds from there. And you know there have been movements towards reform, so it's not to say that nothing comes of it, mm-hmm. because we talked about this earlier uh, in the podcast, not today, but a couple episodes back, but the Illinois state reform that happened with police. Illinois took a very very progressive approach to police reform in Illinois. Obviously, we've had some major instances of, you know, cover-ups and and all of that. We had the Laquan McDonald shooting and Rahm Emanuel kind of pushing that to the side and sweeping it under the rug as much as he could and, you know, holding holding politicians, holding police accountable, holding, you know, state's attorney's offices is very, very difficult when they're kind of all working in unison. So it really has to be this massive It's like movement. trying to discipline your friend when he's your, um, I don't want to say inferior, but when he's below you at work. Yeah, any, yeah like anytime there's a subordinate. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so I think when we look at the movements as a whole, I think that's why it's so crucial that movements maintain the momentum until uh, there's the change actual is change. Made. Yeah. Yeah, or like, you know, when we talked about uh, D- Derek Chauvin, right? Mm-hmm. And George Floyd. <clears throat> Chauvin wasn't arrested until the riots started. Yeah. It was like a way to quell, like calm down and, and, and start to, you know, bring, you know, uh, some, some patience to the people. And I think that's a really important point when, when we talk about protesting and riots and stuff like that is a lot of times, you know, Violence begets violence, and it's it's a shameful thing. I wish change would happen sooner. Yeah, but but this is something that it it just that's how it works. It's in our blood. Like, how did we separate from Britain? It wasn't like, hey, we don't like this taxation process. It's you know, it became a war. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think I it, think it started as we don't like this taxation process. It just escalated very quickly. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so, so when I look at I this, mean, we dumped some fucking tea out of a ship first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we tarred and feather some loyalists and, and all that. Suck so <clears throat> when we're talking about, you know, what comes of these movements, I think that's a really good point and how important it is to continue the movement and really start to organize. And, and, you know, when we look at the civil rights movement, we had all of these, you know, um, alphabets, I would say, like, you know, the NAACP, the yep. SNCC, the yep. SNCC yeah, 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 and yeah. All, the, all these different groups, the SCLC, you know, Martin Luther King, all these prominent people really coming and organizing this. When we're not organized, it slowly deteriorates. And that's Absolutely. something like even Black Lives Matter, it's not completely deteriorated, but it's it doesn't have the same traction long term. Right. So I will say that reform is happening not as fast as we would like. And that's why things are starting to continue to happen again. Like, yeah. All right. Stuff well, out one of the, the news cycle. And yeah. now it's on to the next thing. Yeah. And then another news cycle. And you know, the biggest thing, and that's kind of good that you brought this up is that the violent, when you said violence begets violence, um, it's an interesting point and it's one that's hard to, to kind of like see because mm-hmm. it's easy to get tunnel vision um, mm-hmm. when something terrible happens and just want to go out and, you yeah. know what I mean? Have yeah. your voice heard. Yeah. But the best thing that could be done is, you know, having zero riots. 
You know what I mean? Having yeah. just your protesters go to the streets because then you leave less fuel for like the Fox, Fox News networks and the OAN conservative and, outlets. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I could have just said that. Mm. Um, but you let you have less fuel for their fire as far as like, look how awful they are. Look what they're doing. Like, are they really peaceful? No. If you just have like peace, you know, your peaceful protests, people taking to the streets, people with their, you know what I mean. You, I feel like you would have a better chance of things moving forward more smoothly because you're not giving any fuel to the other side. Um, it again, it's hard, and, I, and I'm, and this is like a Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm just saying that. See, I would, I would slightly disagree with that, just because I think the conservative outlets like that have we'll a, always have a, yeah, they have a vested yeah. interest in manipulating things a certain way. Yeah, and I think. You know, Every talk- little bit helps, though. No, I, I agree. Every little bit helps, though, because there comes a point where you have to manipulate things so much or you have to feed in so much bullshit that everyone will kind of just be like, well, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think what people fail to realize, even with the civil rights movement, is it took essentially Malcolm X, you know, coming to a more militant style. And MLK, you know, was this general pacifist and and tried to be as peaceful as he could but even martin luther king you know he said certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemned riots but in the final analysis a riot is the language of the unheard and what is it that america has failed to hear yeah so i think we shared that actually in one of our previous podcasts so so when we talk about it like even mlk was hitting his breaking point Right. Right. Because right. It, it it wasn't getting done. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? We're going to sign this legislation. We're going to we're going to move this forward. And like nothing was getting done. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's very similar to what's going on now. I'm not encouraging people to riot or act out violently, but it, it just seems like, man, if we would just get the point, if we would stop. You know, from what's the conservative it, outlets, take? like the conservative take? outlets yeah. need to stop saying, oh, well, this guy had a rap sheet. It doesn't matter. He was pulled over for license tags. He was pulled over for this or whatever. And it's like, you don't deserve to be shot. That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter why you you end it. Like, you can't tell me that there's well, there's any justification. <clears throat> yeah. No. For, not, for, that, gonna, for that end result. No. And I would, I would never right. say that. But right. The the big thing that I feel like they the big swing and a miss for especially the conservative new, news outlets right now mm-hmm. is they always go to and they're doing this actually in the Chauvin trial right now they're where they're trying to say that and and, and it's a true it's a true thing you know mm-hmm. what I mean because uh, God bless our fucking police officers especially now you know and especially the good ones the good ones uh, you know yeah, what I mean the, but what I'm saying is yeah. it's even harder now to be a police officer yes. and it's even harder to be a good one yes um. And so I fucking, you know what I mean? I, I, I absolutely adore our police officers. I've only had good experiences, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, they, they, they kind of fight with this, you know, you as a police officer, you can meet force with a slightly more excessive force. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes at you with a knife, you can draw your gun. You right, know what I mean? Right. It's, obviously, that's the worst case scenario. Right. Someone comes at you with a baseball bat, you can come at them with a taser. Right. Let's go with that because I'm trying yeah, to avoid yeah, the violence yeah. here. Um, not that a taser is not violent, but you know, yeah. less violent. Right. Um, and so they're really pushing for that right now. And I, and I do agree with that. I think as a police officer, I think that you can meet force with a, a slightly more excessive force. Um, but the problem is, is, you know, unfortunately, or not even unfortunately, what's sad is they're not necessarily being met with a force. You know what I mean? I understand going into a situation mm-hmm. like for instance, in Kenosha, you know, he had had, I can't remember what it was, but he had had some gun charges and he had assaulted some police officers. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so you're going into that situation somewhat... Um, Allegedly. He wasn't convicted. Correct, yes. Right. Yeah, but what, what you're going in, this guy That's has, what you're reading. Correct. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what you're reading yeah. in your car as you're going over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, you already have a sort of a... Um, a bad, It's a bad lead-in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're already a little bit on edge. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, this guy has potentially already attacked police officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, allegedly, mm-hmm. I'm just building a, a sure, scenario sure. here. Um, you know what I mean? So you're going in, you're thinking, okay, I need to be on edge. I need to, you know, make sure that I have my wits about me. Um, you know what I mean? So it's already a bad start. It's already a non-starter as far as a peaceful encounter. Right. 
Um, it, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like. Um, I can't imagine what I would do in that, in that scenario. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, it's very unfortunate, but I do want to get this cause we're going to, we're getting a little long winded with this. Not that it doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But when I had these thoughts to bring us back full circle today, I thought to myself, what could we do? And I'm not talking about necessarily what we need to do as far as um, signing petitions and things like that. I'm talking about the big the big thing now is police reform. Mm-hmm. It's the hot ticket item. It's you know what I mean. It's all over the news. Brian, if you're given, and I'm not, I'm gonna actually, I'm bringing back the magic wand segment. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to be done as far as police reform? And I am gonna ask you to keep this to five minutes or less okay so it's a really simple answer okay actually perfect um the number one thing is hold people accountable okay that's that's it i i do think we need to demilitarize we need to adjust funds you've seen you know different cities and counties employing this idea of all right we're going to have social workers on staff to handle situations where you know okay we have a social worker in an office or heading into a situation where um, you know, it's, it's someone with special needs or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Uh, so you, you do see some of that reform happening already, which is great. Um, Illinois has already taken some steps with reform, like I mentioned, but the number one thing is how do we change this is we have to hold people accountable for their actions that are, you know, wrongdoing essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime we have an investigation into a, into a situation in the police officer is, you know, found to be, you know, having used excessive force and, and gone beyond, you know, the call of duty and hurt someone or something like that, they need to be held accountable. And we're starting to see that more. However, like we saw that with the Laquan McDonald ruling, right? The police officer that shot him not only emptied his clip, but put in another clip and kept shooting the body. We saw him be held accountable. And, you know, right now it looks like, you know, the Chauvin trial is going to go a certain way and hopefully that officer is, is held accountable. It's, it's been far too long where police officers weren't held accountable. And the problem with that is not only the police officers that did the wrongdoing, but the ones that aided him getting away with it, right. he or she getting away with it, including Derek Chauvin, right? He had had issues in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about Officer Kim Potter had issues in the past. Were they held accountable? Probably not. And what ends up happening is they find themselves in a very similar situation with a similar action, and then something even worse happens. Right. So with that in mind, how do we fix this? We hold them accountable. Okay. The problem is with when we don't hold them accountable, what happens? The community no longer trusts the department. Mm-hmm. The good officers are no longer trusted, and they have a much harder job. They've gotten yeah, they're they're uphill. So now, so now, like sure. you said, is like okay, now I'm on edge and blah blah blah, and it just keeps escalating, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If we're all we're all too quick to hold people that commit a crime accountable, but if they're wearing a badge and commit a crime, they're not held accountable. And that, I mean, there's, I'm going to talk about, you know, professors like um, Nicole Gonzalez Van Cleve, um, Jerry Spain, I think his name was. Like, they're, they're sociologists that have studied this and say, like, here's why police officers get away with using excessive force time and time again. And it has to do not only with the police department, but, you know, the, the um, court system and the um, prosecution and defense system, like, the, the legal system itself, there, there are a lot of issues that we can talk about, like qualified immunity, et cetera. So accountability is the number one way to um, kind of flip this script. So we're not having these instances like three times in a week while we're, you know, we're, we're talking about the murder of a young black man while we're talking, while, while we're watching you know, the defense present their case to defend a police officer who killed a black man. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really mind boggling. And when you're in in that particular scenario, you're talking about something that happened literally like miles from the actual courthouse that it's being heard at. So why don't, why don't we talk a little bit about, can I get, can I get my solution? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Please. Please. You take more than your fucking five minutes and then you don't (laughs) give me even a fucking second. Yeah. Go ahead. What is this bullshit? Um, this is the fucking, this is the, Go for it. This Go is for the it. radical left coming at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
I think mine is very similar. I think it's a little bit more involved than that. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll break mine down quickly uh, for the sake of time. I think that there does need to be accountability. I think above all, though, um, it's very similar to my uh, gun reform in that I think that going into it, I think there needs to be better training mm-hmm. for police officers. I think that there needs to, and, I, and I'm talking about like, and I, I'm not saying to militarize the police force, but I think it needs to be a militaristic training regimen where there are certain days out of the week, two days out of the week, where they're just training, where they're being being taught de-escalation techniques, where they are being taught, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of like, here's how to defend yourself, yeah. it's more like, how do I take scenario A from a 10 to a 5 very, very quickly? Um, and I think that's teaching people how to have a conversation, how to you know, how to talk to one another. Yes. Uh, it's it's it, to me, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it. It's like going up to a table that is already at eleven because they're pissed off because their food's taking an hour. They have a shitty server and they have no drinks in front of them. Right. How do I take that and how do I? Oh well, let me get you guys something to drink. That's step right. one. All right, right, cool. Now I'm putting alcohol in your hands and you're going to feel better instantly. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, taking that and obviously applying it to something more complex. Well, and, and that you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're teaching de-escalation. I think you're, you're right in the sense that when we talk about police reform and, and how do we train better, I think it's a lot of like tactical aspects and yeah. it's really like emotionally more tactical, yeah. right? Social emotional learning, yeah. like understanding the complexity of, of the human mind, right? Yep. Like maybe you have to have some sort of psychology degree yeah. or something like that, not just criminal justice degrees. You know, we, we look at... There's a whole lot of training that goes involved, that, that yeah. would go into that. Yeah. And then, because and in my reform too, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, well, I gave myself less yeah, time yeah, than you. Yeah. So I want to, no, no. I'm going to bump this out real quick. Go ahead. All right. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not focused on it, on demilitarizing or anything like that. I think that there needs to be a certain amount of, depending on your area, maybe you need a certain amount of force. I don't know. So I'm not even going to focus on that. So I think more money needs to go into training. I think more money needs to go into the education. I, I agree with you 100%. You actually, you got my next point right away. Yeah. And that is that I think that there should be more education for people going into um, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, criminal justice or police or mm-hmm. anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and what, about, also, what about therapy as well? I was just going to say, so my next one was going to be psychological. So they need to have some sort of, uh, you know, like a weekly meeting. Again, and I know that we're taking a lot of days away from it, but these are the people that are supposed to be protecting the streets and protecting us, and we're supposed to feel safe around them. Mm-hmm. And so if you work five days a week, maybe three of them are training, or maybe like a certain amount of hours. Maybe you say, you know, 16 hours a week of your 40-hour work week needs to go to you talking to somebody and venting things. Right. You know what I mean? Because then you can red flag people much quicker. Yeah. And I do think that that needs to happen. People change. People go through traumatic experiences. And so as a police officer, if you go through something that changes you and it doesn't change you for the better, you know what I mean, and you can't get it out and talking, at least they can say, hey, listen, you know, person A is having some real issues. We need to pull them off the streets. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and put them behind a desk until we can get this figured out. Um, but making sure that they know that they have that sort of like that outlet that they can go to. Um, it's the, it's and, very similar to... The military, like we mm-hmm. have, you know, soldiers coming back and not getting the treatment they yeah. not only need yeah. but deserve. Yeah. Right. And if if police are, you know, the good police that are protecting and serving, yeah. I, I always think of you know a former student of mine named uh, Michael. Um, you know, he's a he's a police officer in, in the West Suburbs and in a slightly rougher area, and and he is just a phenomenal human being Mm -hmm. and I think he would always approach things a certain way, but that doesn't mean he's not deeply affected by things or, you know, I have another former student, Tyler, who's just getting into the force and, and, you know, I know, you know, emotionally he's equipped now, but you face things that you, that traumatize anyone. It doesn't matter how emotionally or strong you are. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets forgotten about our police officers. You know what I mean? And, and we don't even focus enough on it for our military personnel, Mm -hmm. but our police officers, like think about what it's like to be an inner city cop in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? To literally have that feeling every day of waking up, like I may not go home today, you know? Um, it's, it's a different type of war zone Mm -hmm. in some scenarios. And I'm not saying that our inner cities are war zones. I'm just saying it's, it's a different war zone, you know what I mean, in a different way. It's, it's a it's a different frame of reference. Like everyone heads to their jobs 
and in general has stressors, right? Yeah. Like teachers or whatever, even doctors. Yeah. There's this level of stress, like, you know, especially doctors, like you might lose people. You yeah. can't screw yeah. up or people die. Yeah. Right. And even if you don't screw up, sometimes people die. Yeah. And it's a very similar, like just this constant stress. Yeah. Similar, like, you know, if is a teacher, like you, you feel like if you aren't connecting with the students, they're going to, you know, not learn. And if they don't learn, they don't graduate and like all yeah. these other things. Yeah. It's huge stressors. Everyone has it. So we have to do a better job of providing for those people in those situations. Especially if those people are the people that are meant to be protecting this society. And I I want to put that out there immediately because I, you know, Brian and I have nothing but respect for police officers. Mm -hmm. Um, We're only, again, Monday morning quarterback. How can we make it better? We're like a third party looking in. Neither one of us Mm -hmm. has any police experience. Mm -hmm. However, if you are listening to this podcast and you are an officer of the law and you would like to come on the podcast or if you would like to have a conversation with Brian and I, uh, we would Definitely absolutely have. love that. Definitely we would absolutely love that. I'm going to move the conversation forward, Brian. I'm loving it. Because I want to... Shut up, McDonald's. I'm going to go get a Big Mac. Um, so without any further ado, Brian, the uh, situations that obviously made me think about that, um, the one that we'll start with because we'll get into two of them, but the, the first of which being um, Lieutenant Karen... And I'm going to probably butcher the name because I haven't listened to it on video, but I believe it's Caron Nazario. Mm-hmm. So this is a um, black and Latino gentleman who is a second lieutenant in our armed forces. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Army. Mm-hmm. Um, he's stationed in Virginia. He was driving home one night. And I'm going to give you a brief story, but yeah. gets, he basically gets pulled over. Yeah. Um, when he gets pulled over, mm-hmm. he decides that he's on a, a pretty dark street and he wants to pull to a more lit area. So Smart. Yeah. We're not talking about a far drive here. We're not talking about miles. We're talking about... It's like about, the nearest gas station. Yeah, he, and that's literally what he did. He okay, pulled yeah, into yeah. the nearest... Ga- yeah, okay. pulled into the nearest gas station, rolls down his window, and I, I watched the entire video of this. Yeah. I have to tell you, I have never seen somebody be more fucking polite to a cop, especially right. a cop who was being an asshole. So when From they, the get-go. Yeah. yeah so I, when they pulled yeah, him over, I, I mean, that. we're talking guns drawn. Yeah. Okay. Might have been tasers. I don't. You guys can fact check me on that. Regardless, there was some sort of a weapon drawn. They already had a weapon aimed. I at heard this. it was guns pulled. Okay. Yeah. I didn't want to misspeak, is all. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the video, I'm not paying attention to whether it's a taser or a gun. I'm just listening to the conversation that these people are having. Neither did Kim Potter. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's awful. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, pulls over, rolls down his window. He's got hands at ten and two, mm-hmm. so he's being compliant he's not reaching he's not you know being doing anything he's very polite to the police officer and he just says you know whoa what's going on here the reason that they they're they're claiming that they had their weapons drawn is because he didn't pull over immediately Mm -hmm. he went to a more lit area let me tell you something right now i'm not if i'm pulled over on a dark highway you best fucking believe I'm putting my flashers in and I'm going to the next spot that's well lit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's just, safer. It's, it's, a, it's a safer thing. There are scenarios, and I'm not saying that obviously this wasn't one of them. There are scenarios where people pretend to be cops and pull people over. Yes. It's not a pretty fucking thing. Yes. Um, and they even tell you, I remember fucking being in class, and especially when I was taking my paralegal stuff, we actually had police officers come in that recommended it. They said, if you're Wait uncomfortable, if you're, if, you're, yeah. Yeah, or if you're uncomfortable, pull to somewhere lit where there's other people around. And ask them to call in backup. There's no problem with that. They may get a little frustrated with you. They may be like, ah, shit, I just wanted to do it. I pulled you over for speeding. I just want to give you a ticket and let you go. But they're going to respect your your need to feel safe. Right. Gets pulled over. Gun's drawn already. And it's kind of like a what-the-fuck scenario for him. But he remained entirely very calm. calm. I, very that, that's calm. That's where I saw it from then Very, yeah. very calm. Yeah. And just saying, you know, what's the issue here, officer? What's going on? The officer wanted him out of the car. He, you know what I mean? He he treated it as though this man was fucking reaching in his glove compartment looking for a gun. Right. Not the case. You know, you hit his hands were outside. Yeah. His hands were outside. Not to mention, here's a man who's wearing a military uniform. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is clearly clearly in his vehicle that has military plates. Now his now the one thing here is he had just gotten this car, so like the plates were in the the side window. Mm -hmm. And it's dark. And it's dark. Yeah. Um. Long, the long and short of it is they ended up um, pepper spraying him. A lot. A lot. It was like once a pepper spray, and he's like, why is this happening? My dog's choking in the yeah, back. Yeah. And then they sprayed him again, and yeah. they were telling him to get out of the car, and he was saying, I don't feel comfortable yeah. reaching for my seatbelt. May I grab my seatbelt? Because he didn't want it to look right. like he was grabbing for a right. gun or anything. Right. Where they, and, and here's the, the thing that is so apparent that – 
people really need to realize is when you are seeing someone like yourself be killed on camera, right, right with the Chauvin trial, like George Floyd mm-hmm. is a black man, yep. that's in your mind. Yeah. We are having a full trial. We don't know the outcome of the trial. Yeah. We've seen plenty of, you know, Eric Garner, et cetera, where you are seeing black men get killed and have no accountability on the other side. There is an issue. So he's very, very scared. And this is a man who serves in the military. Yeah, he's serving our country. And, and I is, and I talk about how much I I respect the police, but like I'm I'm sorry, like I just I I fucking respect the military like a slight tier higher at times, you know what I mean? Because they're protecting the entire country, right? Um, and and you're totally mistreating this man, right? And 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 that's the thing. That and this I, is so fucking blatant too. There's no fucking rap sheet. I'm sorry, I'm not. No, I'm, no, no. I, I'm gonna bring it down from eleven here, but there's no rap sheet on this guy. Right. You know what this fucking dude's been doing? Like, yeah, he's based in Virginia, but this dude fucking signed up to fucking protect this place yeah so, all enemies foreign and domestic so and you're fucking you got your gun drawn on him because he wanted to get to a well-lit area well and that's and, and he's fucking complying and with that's you. what i was talking about earlier with kaepernick right oh it was disgraceful to the soldiers how he was talking about police reform by kneeling in the, in the national anthem where are the people talking about the soldiers now yeah. which which yeah. where where are your complaints where is yeah. the conservative outlets that hounded Colin yeah. Kaepernick coming out and saying hey our soldiers weren't defended here yeah right yeah so this this officer um Joe Gutierrez is his name mm-hmm. not trying to dox him or anything like that mm-hmm. um he's been let go i believe yeah i believe he was immediately terminated right even which, as they're still investigating everything that happened yeah but i know I'm like i'm you're not gonna fucking find a reason a, a, a good reason for him to have acted the way that he acted uh lieutenant nazario i believe is suing uh the virginia police department that, that was associated with this which we talked about that that's an interesting thing that you bring up there brian brian and i talked about this before um and i believe you would you had posed the question originally about um Gosh, well, I don't remember how it started, but we had talked about the amount of money, the amount of money that the police stations have to put out in settlements. That is money that could be spent on training. That is money that could be spent on fucking sidewalks. You know what I mean? Because this is ultimately coming out of the the municipality. Um, money had to, that has to get paid out because officers fucked up. Well, and and you look at when you talk about municipalities. And how they fund their police, it's usually through property taxes of that area, right? And when you have Louisville, Kentucky, right, where Breonna Taylor was killed, um, I don't believe the officers were formally charged, but her family won a civil suit of $12 million. That comes from the municipality, right? The tax dollars raised to operate the police station and the the staff and all of that. Yeah, keep the lights Uh, on. Keep the lights on, get new cars, all, you know, get mm-hmm. new equipment, whatever the case we is. We know they get new cars all the time. Yeah. So, so we're, we're now giving away taxpayer dollars and we should, right? There should be a settlement. That family lost someone and, you know, it'll be the same. I, I, be, I believe the Floyd family got a huge settlement as well. I'm sure. I, I want to say it was like in the 20 millions, like 27 million. Um, but like, that's another element that is getting lost here is like, when we don't hold people accountable criminally and then it goes to these civil suits and, you know, there's no fear amongst, you know, uh, those that are, you know, um, I guess committing the acts of violence wrongfully, they, they don't have any accountability. They don't, they don't have to worry about these things. It's just the taxpayer dollars. Yeah. You know, there's no, when a doctor performs a medical procedure, they have insurance. Yeah. Right. Malpractice and malpractice insurance. insurance. Yeah. And if they screw up and, and it's proven like they messed up, like they were, you know, intoxicated or, you know, they were negligent or mm-hmm. whatever the case is, you know, they have to pay that and their insurance goes up or they yeah. can lose their license. Right. Right. We don't see that in these other institutions. Yeah. And I, and you know what? I made a joke about the cops getting new cars. I didn't mean anything by that. I do want to clarify that was a, uh, in poor taste joke. Uh, so. There okay. you go. That's I, fair. Yeah, you know what you know what I mean. I don't want right. to. You can I, call yourself out on that. I wouldn't. Well, have. no, you wouldn't have, or you no. would have. Mm. Oh wow! Look at me. I'm leading with more empathy than Brian right now. Yep. Um, and I only say that because we're saying a lot of negative about cops, and I do want to just again, I'm going to keep it to a professional negative only, not yeah. make jokes. Yeah. Uh, the other scenario I wanted to bring up, Brian. Yeah. 
Dante Wright. Yeah. And this again, this is we were talking earlier about something happening right down the street. This was that that scenario where uh, it was Officer Kim Potter um, meant to pull her taser. This is, again, the story where this is all brand new. So this is going to be investigated. I think a lot's going to come out of this one. Um, But uh, she supposedly allegedly went for her taser and accidentally pulled her gun, uh, ended up shooting Dante uh, right instead of tasing him. So here's so here's, this is another traffic stop. Am I correct? Yeah. So here here's the the craziest part, and I won't get into like Dante Wright had a warrant out, and that's why they pulled him out. And it, well, there was a whole lot more to this story. Again, I'm just and the warrant might have been from like them incorrectly mailing a citation to his address and him not appearing before the court and like all that. So like that's we don't know. Right? Lot to come out. Lot to come. Regardless out. of that, at no point should a traffic stop end with someone being shot when they're unarmed. Right. Period. Right. End of story. Now, and, and now I do believe he actually tried to escape police custody. Well, he drove away when he got shot. No, this I thought this. See, I mean, maybe I watched okay. a different video okay. or, or a different angle. I don't know. So what I will. So say, again, there's a this. That's why we're prefacing prefacing this by saying, yeah, there's so, a lot of details of this case, especially that are yet to come out. Yeah, she's already been charged with manslaughter. Correct. What I will say is this. I don't understand how someone can claim that they didn't know that they had their taser. We all have we all have our no, off no, no, days, no, but no, if no, you've been no, a police no. officer, I believe she has something like twenty six years on the force. Well, yeah, she's been a um, yeah. I think it was nineteen ninety five. She's been on the force, you know, since then. Um, she's had a couple of other incident incidents, but what I will say is this: your gun is on your dominant hand side. Yeah, your taser is, is on, on your, your left, your, side, your, your non-dominant yeah. side, which is also weird. Like you would think it would be you should pull um, your taser first, but I well, guess like in an emergency situation. That's the thing. And I and so that. I'm not gonna so, I would never even But what I will say is this point. is someone who has been on the force for years and years and has faced, you know, high pressure situations in the past, mm-hmm. you know which side you're yeah. you're reaching for. Yeah. Period. And if you don't Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one to overcome for her. Yeah. And I know she said she I mean, screams taser if, taser. Yeah. On the video. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't excuse it. It's so what you're going to be what they're going to be trying to have to do or what they're going to have to differentiate in this case. If it was a just completely, you know what, you you messed up, there still needs to be accountability and there still needs to be some sort of a charge for this. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to wait till all the evidence is there. I'm going to wait until all the information's out. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, right now in this scenario, especially, I feel I'm a little nervous saying this, but I feel almost as though I feel bad for everybody involved. It's a really fucking shitty situation. I you feel, know I mean? I feel especially, bad for, especially, for Dante's family. Oh, yes. absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. First and foremost. Yeah. First and foremost. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if this was an accident and she really meant to pull her taser, I feel fucking bad for her, man. I do. I do. I mean, you fucked up and it sucks. But I mean, 26 years of experience on the force, like I think I, I shouldn't keep saying that it's 20 plus years of experience on the force, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and this is probably, again, where I'm probably going to lead with a little bit more empathy than Brian. Yeah. Um, and that's just because, you know what I mean? We do make mistakes. It's just that this is like that's This is the ultimate mistake that you could make. Yeah. Uh, when it's costing someone's life. Exactly. You know, yeah. if, you, yeah, if, exactly. You, if you're driving your car and, and you mess up and you hit someone and they die. You know, I, I yeah, that, that and I sucks, would like to know. Like, I, I would like to know too if he tried if if and not again. Well, I, I guess it matters a little bit, but I not not ultimately. Um, I, I I'm curious to know now, and I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research. And I apologize for not having this information down to a T. But uh, as you guys know, Brian and I have day jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would like to know at what point he tried to drive away at what point he escaped because I think that they were trying to do some, they were trying to handcuff him. The video that I saw again, I don't know where it was in the timeline. There's a lot of videos out there. It looked as though in this video that he was trying to evade the police. Mm -hmm. Um, when they were trying to do like a handoff of like one person to another, putting the handcuffs on, Mm -hmm. I'll do some more research on that. I'll bring it up at the top of the hour on Sunday's podcast. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Similar to Derek Chauvin, she had a checkered history as well um, with an instance of, you know, someone, uh, a a suspect in an issue where there was an autistic man. Um, The parents called the police. Um, You know, the police were on their way. 
the parents then said, hey, we've got it under control. You don't need to send the police. Police arrive, are very aggressive. The autistic man supposedly and allegedly grabbed a knife, and that's when he was shot and killed. And uh, Kim Potter was involved in that situation. Uh, to what degree, we don't, we don't fully know, and, and that's something I'm going to talk about in, in a minute as well, is you know, the, the reporting of these incidents is, is also something yeah. that needs to be called into question. Yeah. Whole lot going on there, Brian. Yeah. Take what, a breath. Yeah. Take a moment. What I would like to talk about is I did some more research and, and I was listening to a, a lady speak. Um, her, her name is Nicole Gonzalez Van Cleef. And she's an associate professor of, I believe, sociology over at Brown University. And she's actually done a lot of studies in, in terms of criminal justice reform, et cetera. And she actually wrote the book called Crook County Racism and Injustice in the, lar- in the Largest uh, court system in America. Let's, let's take a moment and think about that because they're talking about Cook County. Yeah. Some of our listeners aren't from our area. Oh, that's, that's true. That's yeah. right down the area. But yeah. that's like basically it encompasses a very large area. So all of Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, Schomburg, all the way to the Schomburg area. Yeah. And then, you know, a I want to say of even area. like Hoffman Estates even. And yeah. 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 And, and you have it's a huge area. It's, it's a massive area. You're talking about Chicago being one of the largest metropolitan areas in, in the country. And it's also connected to like the second, I believe the second or third largest, you know, metropolitan area in Illinois connected with the third yeah. largest in the that country shattered, behind LA yeah. and New York. Yeah. So you're talking about a very, very large court system. You're and talking it's not about very... an area that has its own fucking district as far as politics go. Yeah. Or multiple districts. Multiple rather. districts. So so when we're talking about this, she wrote this book called Crook County. She spent thousands, literally thousands of hours observing both, you know, the court system, police, you know, police stations, et cetera, you know, interviewed prosecutors, interviewed uh, judges, interviewed police officers, et cetera. In this book, she talks about one of the biggest issues with you know the justice system especially in this area but you know nationwide is the interdependence between the prosecution or the da's and the police and one of the reasons that you know the police are a little more protected than you would even think is because the da's depend on these police for their own their own cases and when, you know, your key witness. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it, you know what I mean? So at some point, you got to kind of play in when your key witness is that officer. Right. So your key witness is an officer in any case, right, for the prosecution side, right? They're the ones that made the arrest. They might have seen the crime happen, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're the person that is prosecuting another police officer, think of how it's going to be when you interview, you know, key witnesses that are police officers as well for the next you know, court case, even if it has nothing to do with another police officer, the next one might not trust you or, you know, help you get convictions. So there's this interdependence that kind of creates this conflict of interest. Um, And she, you know, she talked about, you know, in Cook County, I'll talk about this excerpt that she wrote. Uh, It was actually in an op-ed in New York Times. And she said, I spent years researching the Cook County court system for a book, including scores of interviews with prosecutors and judges. Their stories lined up closely with my own experience. Now, mind you, she was also um, employed in the Cook County court system and also worked as a in the office of the chief of staff for the White House during the Clinton administration. So she has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to social justice and, and justice reform as well. Um, she continues, a police officer, or she talks about this one story, a police officer killed a guy and they said he was shooting at them at the time. One prosecutor told me, I could tell that didn't make much sense, but I put the blinders on. When the prosecutor brought up inconsistencies in the two officer stories to a supervisor, uh, so the prosecutorial supervisor, the boss screamed, you're a prosecutor, not a defense attorney, and assigned a new lawyer to the case. Which kind of brings up a whole slew of other thoughts, because um, the only way to get ahead as a prosecutor is to have more convictions. Yeah, your conviction rate is yeah, the exactly. way. Exactly, exactly. And that's on both sides of the aisle. That's for defense attorneys, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the only way to get new clients is by winning cases. And mm-hmm. so I guess you can look at the other side of the coin there and say, well, on the other hand, you've got people who are basically getting, you know, whatever, murderers and um, other offenders off the hook. So it's it's an interesting thing to look at both sides of that coin. But there needs to be a point, I suppose, where – not I suppose. There needs to be a point at which justice is the main 
uh, motivator. You know what I mean? So if you as a prosecutor notice that, for instance, that something doesn't add up Mm -hmm. for your case, Mm -hmm. it's something that should be explored and something that should be welcomed to be explored instead of um, looked down upon like it was in that situation. Yeah, if there's there's some sort of evidence that exonerates someone it shouldn't be the idea and they call this shading where it's almost like you omit certain things you might right. know yeah, 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 yeah. in order to paint the picture that will get you the conviction right yeah and they talk a lot about how both the police and um, attorneys the prosecutorial attorneys kind of do this shading process that leads to more convictions and more closed cases right. for the police officers which right? is also why you see a lot of cases that are tried for different reasons i may not believe like so um I don't know, I won't even try to come up with an example, but basically where someone committed one crime, but they charge them for something else that's easier to convict. Yeah. So, and what I will say to this, Kev, is is you're, you brought up the idea like, okay, the defense is also, you know, getting murderers and, and you know, rapists. I know exactly what you're going to say right now. Yeah. It's better for one, yes. one guilty man to go free than one innocent man be convicted. Absolutely. And every single person... Guaranteed by the Constitution they say that, they say is due a fair trial. Yeah, right? criminal law class. That's the first thing that they tell you. Right, and and this was supported by one of the founding fathers. Right, mm-hmm. the Boston Massacre. You had yeah. you had British soldiers on trial here on the soil, mm-hmm. on this soil, and it was John Adams who stepped up and said, "No, they deserve a lawyer. They can't defend themselves. So I'm going to step up." And and from there, the precedent was set that everyone deserves a fair trial. Everyone deserves due process, as you know presented in the fifth amendment so what i will say is this um i think you know i don't fault any defense attorney for doing their job yeah yeah what i say is a prosecutor should not be held responsible if they bring forth the evidence that exonerates a man because like oh i need to get my conviction rate you know they should be rewarded right if they're letting an innocent man go free yeah Right. I agree. They should, it should it should not count against them. It's almost like, you know, a walk in baseball doesn't count against your batting average. You didn't right. get the hit. Yeah. But you got on base. You found true justice. You yeah. exonerated yeah. a man or woman who was you see because you see it all the time where people are getting out of prison. There was just one maybe last year or two years ago, uh, young gentleman. And actually he uh, um, God, he was on a full ride football scholarship to some school. Had his whole fucking life ahead of him. Yeah. And basically a girl um, accused him of rape. Yeah. And um, it took her, I think, like, I don't know, like three or four years or something like that to come out with this and say basically it didn't happen and that she had made up the whole story because, like, she was embarrassed about something. And this man had spent, like, four or five years in prison. There's a you know great, what I mean? great... Um there, there are two speakers. It's it, it. The book is called Picking Cotton, and it's called a. It's a memoir of injustice and redemption. Um, I guess I just saw that they're going to be making it into a major motion picture. But essentially, um, Mr. Cotton was uh, convicted of raping um, uh, the woman. I can't remember her name off. Jen, Jennifer Thompson. Okay. She he was convicted. Yeah. Went to jail for ten years. She was adamant it was him. Yeah. Uh, he was exonerated by DNA evidence, and they've become friends. That's crazy. Afterwards, yeah. you know, he spent ten years, um, and ever since they've they've talked to to um, police forces and and yeah. you know, um, criminal justice you know enterprises and tried to you know help them out. Like, listen, eyewitnesses are important, but they're not the end all be all, right? right? Yeah. And we have to pursue true justice. And it's we have too many innocent, usually black yeah. men, sitting in jail cells rotting away. Yeah. Um, so that w- if you get a chance, audience, and that's why I believe uh, eyewitness testimony is considered circumstantial, is it not? Uh, well, fact juries, check me. Jury, fact check me. juries fact check consider me. it. I think it's like eighty percent of their. I don't know. I re- Whenever I think of eyewitness testimony, and this is me bringing a little bit of levity because uh, it is a very serious conversation, mm-hmm. I always think of uh, my cousin Vinny movie. Oh, yeah, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. First of all, M- Melissa Tomei, you're gorgeous. Marissa. Marissa Tormey, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Oh, she plays uh, Aunt, May. Aunt May. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I always think of the eyewitness testimony where, like, the lady with the glasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. And it's like the Coke can or, you know, the Coke bottle glasses yeah. where they're super, super thick. Um, I think of, yeah. I think of um, 12 Angry Men 
Henry Fonda. It's oh, a, it's gotcha. an old play. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. great. Um, but what I will say is picking cotton is a, is a perfect example of how eyewitness testimony isn't always the end all be all. Uh, they've, they've since, you know, adopted this idea of we need to spread the word and, and, yeah. and go further. So with that said, um, you know, we have the Chauvin trial, we have these instances, we, we see, you know, Nicole Gonzalez, Van Cleve talking about, you know, these injustices and what's going on. And then we, we have instances of police doing the right thing, right? And I'm going to talk about Carol Horn. It's also coincidental that this happened this week. Uh, Carol Horn was a, is, is a black woman who is a, an officer, um, and essentially her partner was choking a man to death, essentially, where she ripped him off and supposedly you know, hit him so he would get off of the man. And she was reprimanded and faced a four-day suspension, and she declined to take the suspension and wanted a, a, like a, an actual hearing. They found in favor of him, so she got fired. She lost, so she had no. She lost her police position, and for 15 years she's been fighting the good fight. She also lost a civil suit, sixty-five thousand dollars, because he claimed it was defamation, defamation of character. Yeah. Now, yeah. this man was going to retire in 2011 after being investigated by Internal Affairs regarding a, a situation with four black teenagers, and he retired before they could actually, you know, pursue those those right. you know charges, you know, further. So she finally just got awarded by a judge today saying, hey, you were wrongfully terminated. So for 15 years, she's had to fight for doing the right thing, yeah. turning in an officer yeah. or doing the right thing and protecting a suspect that could have been killed. That was what we were talking about when we talked about how much uh, municipalities are having to fork out. Because I said she probably got a, she's probably going to get yeah. a huge fucking settlement. Yeah. Not wor nothing worth like, you know, basically ruining your career. Um, and, and it brings me to this, like, you have officers that are good officers in doing the right thing, and then they still don't. There's no accountability on the other side. Yeah, that's what this is all about accountability and training, but mostly accountability in these in the current scenarios. You can't go back and re and, and and you know what I mean. Go back in time and train them differently. Yeah, I, um, I think we have to. And that's what they're talking about a lot in the Chauvin case, and that's what we're going to bring up next week for sure. Yeah, I, I think we have to recognize that there is you know, a systemic issue here. There is racism at a systemic level. We have to address it. We have to identify it and hold those parties accountable. So the good police officers, the good DAs, the good judges yeah. are able say, to do and, the right thing. And I'm just going to say, we just have a bad police officer problem. In what sense? Well, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that it's just, it's all racially motivated. I'm saying that there are some things about it that are racially motivated, but I'm saying the, the major underlying issue is we have bad cops and we have cops that aren't trained properly and perhaps not trained the right way. Mm -hmm. And we need to turn them all into good cops. There are no more good cop, bad cop routine, Brian. Okay. Although okay. if we were doing good cop, bad cop, I think I would be the bad cop. I think here I'm, I'm the bad cop because I'm going way harder on him. I, I think there is, it, it is absolutely a systemic racial issue and it needs to be addressed and identified. There's lots of statistical evidence. Uh, Rahm Emanuel did a probe in Chicago proving that there was a lot of racial injustices, and, and we need to address that. And going forward, I think there's a level of accountability that has to happen. As we watched the Chauvin trial, we watched a man use excessive force and kill someone, murder someone in the streets. It's all on video. Will there be a hung jury? Will there be an acquittal? Or will the man face you know, the music and, and actually face... Uh, a level of accountability that we haven't seen a lot regarding these situations. Yeah. I hear you, brother. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting. Let us like know I said, what you I, think. Let but, us know what you think, audience. If, yeah. Do you like agree? I said, you know, where are you at? Like I said, I think that we'll, I think, I think this, this case will be over by the, by week's end. I don't think it's going to go into next week. I should hope not. Yeah. Cause we, today, I think we were at day 13. Um, I don't think we'll see into the twenties. I think we'll probably say see sixteen days. Look at me, wagering guesses. Yeah, look at you go. I've changed so much. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's an hour, Brian. Dang, it went so fast. There's so much more I want to cover. But... Yeah, I know, I know. If you guys want to hear us talk about police reform again, again, let us know. Yeah, shoot us a message on Facebook. Email us. We read things, especially if it's from you guys. Yeah. We take it even more seriously then. Yeah. 
So thank you guys as always for listening. Remember, share, like, subscribe, follow. Lead with empathy. Lead with empathy. Do good. Be yeah. great. We love you. Love you guys. Well, guys, we're here. We've made it to the end. Wait, 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 Kevin, Kevin. We got to thank our sponsors. What sponsors? Well, we, we haven't gotten any official sponsors yet, but we do have Patreons. Oh. And we should let people know that they can join our Patreon for subscribing from 5 to 10 to $20. Any amount helps. Yeah, thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers. If you guys don't want to do a monthly subscription, you can also support us by buying some of our awesome clothing at madlibspodcast.threadless.com. And that's a win, win, win. win. <laughs> also, if you guys uh, wouldn't mind, we would love for you to follow us on our Facebook page and oh. our Instagram. Thank you. Thank you.